So glad you're here on this actually reprieve from rain, which is great. What a great way to start the day, just worshiping God for his eternal qualities. Um, today, I want to welcome Samantha Holland. Samantha's going to bring you the message today from our study. Samantha um, is a great friend. She's part of our River West community. She's, part, she's up on our teaching team. And she's also on staff with Campus Crusade. Um, crew is what we call it now. She and her husband are both on staff with Crew. And, and so she has prepared to bring you a word this morning. So, Samantha, welcome. Well, I just got back late last night from a weekend in San Francisco with my sisters and my parents. And I left my heart there. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of did. Um, we... My parents grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and so it's just a really nostalgic, special place for them. We go back often as a family. We went and had dinner at Skoma's. Some of you might know it's this restaurant that's been at Fisherman's Wharf for decades, and um, so good. And my parents, um, they met at Alameda High, and they went on their first wedding anniversary dinner date to um, Skoma's and then they went back for their 43rd wedding anniversary and they sat at the same table and they had the same waitress <laughs> that is a true story so we love going back to Skoma's as a family and it's just a special place for us but when I got back into town last night I knew there had been storms and when I pulled onto my cul-de-sac at about 11.30 last night, there was tree debris everywhere. So I understand there's been a lot of weather, and um, I, but it's so good to be home. And I, I love coming home. We have a new house this year, we, well, new to us, and we, um, very unexpected that we moved this year, and I'm going to talk more about that later. But it's on this great cul-de-sac right next to Lake Ridge Middle School, which is where our sixth grader, Wes, just started school this fall. And so this summer, we, there's a little path at the end of the cul-de-sac, and this summer we were walking that path, the kids and I, and we would play soccer in the field, and the kids would play on the play structure. And one day we went over, and the younger two, Natasha and Locke, they were playing on the playground, and I was just sitting in the grass in the sun. And Wes, who's 11, came and sat next to me. And he said, Mom, I have an idea for a book that I want to write. And Wes is, if you know him, he uh, speaks with authority. And so I, was, I got really excited. I, as I've shared with you before, I was an English lit major, so I love reading and writing. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, one of my kids might write a book. So I said, what is your book going to be about? And he said, well, it's science fiction. So again, I'm like, oh, science fiction, yay. He said, um, all I have so far is the opener, but I, do you want me to share that part with you? And I said, sure, I'd love to hear it. So this is what he said. He said, time, it's the most valuable thing there is. Since the beginning of time, there never seemed to be enough of it. People try to beat time but time always wins. And even if you're rich, you can't buy more time. Although some people will try. Not having enough time is the basic plot of most action movies. And our greatest fear is running out of time. 
then he stopped. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I mean, he's a genius. He, <laughs> you know how you just, you kind of revert back to, my kids are the smartest kids on the planet. I said, Wes, I love that opener. You need to go home right now and write it down. I think you're actually going to write a book one day. And he said, oh, good. I'm glad you like it. I got it from a Samsung commercial. <laughs> oh, kids. <laughs> so in all serious, though, seriousness, why is time such a significant part of the human experience. We all know it is. Well, we're going to discuss that today as we talk about God and three of his attributes. He is eternal, transcendent, and imminent. So our outline for today will look like this. First, we'll look at how God relates to time. He is eternal and timeless. And last, we'll talk about how God relates in time. He's transcendent and he's imminent. So today we're looking, of course, at incommunicable attributes of God. And you might remember from lesson two, which was about knowing God, we learned that theologians categorize some attributes of God as communicable, meaning he communicates them to us. We share them with him like love and grace and mercy. But then there's other attributes of God that are unique to him. They're incommunicable. Things that we're talking about today, eternal, transcendent, and imminent. So I noticed something this fall, though. I'm taking a class, continuing education for the nonprofit we work for, and the class is called God, Bible, Holy Spirit. And I've learned, it's been such perfect timing. I've learned so much about God, and it lines up a lot with our study and what I'm learning through the study. And I noticed that theologians will categorize God's attributes differently. Sometimes they can't figure out where to put his attributes. Well, is it communicable? Is it incommunicable? And I'm starting to realize that it's because even the incommunicable attributes, God shares slivers of them with us, which is so cool. And I think it's because we're made in his image, and so we just share even little bits of his incommunicable attributes, which is an amazing thing. Now, God's very nature is to give of himself, to share himself with us. It's who he is. Um, you might remember another, something else we learned in lesson two was the definition of God's love. It was really striking to me and to my group when we did our lesson because it's so different from the worldly definition of love. I mean, we talk about love. We love, you know, bacon and, and um, I mean, we love people. We love our kids. We love uh, a lot of people in our lives. But for us, it's like an emotion that we feel. But remember, God's love is described as full of compassion and giving of himself. Full of compassion and giving of himself. That, that's an extraordinary definition of love. And when you think about 
all that God has given us, he gave us the world out of his boundless creativity. He, he created us in his own image. He gave us himself in that way. He breathed life into us. Jesus saved us from sin, which had, separ- which had separated us from God. Jesus gave himself on the cross. And the Holy Spirit continues giving himself to us so that we have the power to live in a broken world. And so this is what I want us to really walk away with today, that through giving us his attributes, God is actively drawing people to himself. God gives us himself in order to draw us to himself. So first, let's look at how God relates to time. He's eternal and he's timeless. Now, like Wes and his plagiarized Samsung time illustration, we are limited by time. We feel it in every aspect of our lives. My other son, Locke, is five years old, and he learned to tell time at a very young age on a digital clock, and his nickname became Lock the Clock because he is fixated on time. What time is it to the minute? What time are we doing this? What time are we doing that? Very scheduled and aware of time. And sometimes life is like that. It's like, oh my gosh, what time is it? It drives everything that we do. And there's many famous songs about time. Have you turned on the radio? And and if you, I challenge you to do this. Turn on the radio and listen to pop songs singing about time. Here's one. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. Now, what's that song about? Well, it's about freezing time so we can keep our loved ones with us forever. You might notice that if you have children, you have these moments with them that are precious and they're just, you want to freeze time. Oh, just stop it right now. I want them to stay just like this. But we can't, of course, because time marches on. Here's another song you might know. Time, 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 see what's become of me. While I looked around for my possibilities. I was so hard to please. That's the Bangles, right? Hazy Shade of Winter. Does anyone know who actually wrote that song? My dad quizzed me, Paul Simon. Well, this song conveys a sense of disillusionment with life. You know, we start out in life and we're so idealistic and we have these dreams and goals and aspirations and hopes. And Once we've lived long enough, we've experienced failed dreams, failed relationships, our own shortcomings, weaknesses as people, and kind of just a general discontent with life. Okay, one more. Lying in my bed, I hear the clock tick. Think of you caught up in circles 
Confusion is nothing new. Flashback, warm nights almost left behind. Suitcase of memories, time after time. That came on the radio last night when I was driving home. What is Cindy Lauper talking about in that song? I love the image of a suitcase of memories. That's a phenomenon that's unique to time, if you think about it. Memories, moments that happened, and, and now they're not here, but they are kind of here. They're still with us. It's bittersweet. Sometimes we want to go back in time to the way things used to be, and we want people to be there for us time after time, don't we? Well, pop, singer, pop singers are singing about this. They're kind of our modern-day poets because they just feel the human condition and the effects of time. We're aging, we're breaking down, we're realizing our limitations, and we're generally just haunted by this sense of this is not the way things were meant to be. We're limited by and we're preoccupied with time. But God is not. God has no beginning. He has no end. He has no succession of moments in his being. He existed before space, matter, and time. Often, scripture will describe God's eternity using words that indicate time just to help us understand, I think. Here's some, and some of these were in your lesson this week. He is the alpha and the omega. If you were in a sorority, you know those are the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet. He was, he is, he is to come. He is the ancient of days. I love that one. He's also the everlasting king. He is the first. He is the last. You might remember the story of Moses where God speaks to him out of the burning bush. And he's sending Moses back to his people. And Moses says, well, who should I tell them sent me? A burning bush? He doesn't say that. But God says, well, I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. And even in naming himself, calling himself I am, it's this timeless sense of just being. I am. So if we are on a life-death timeline and God is not, he's eternal, where's the overlap is the question. Well, let's look at 2 Peter 3.8. This was in your lesson this week. And it's maybe the quintessential verse that asks us to keep God's eternity in perspective with our circumstances in time. Here's what we read. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 
Perspective is everything. God created time and he allows time and it's with a purpose. He's not leaving us here arbitrarily, although sometimes it feels that way. He's actually allowing as many people as possible to choose him. Now, perspective, it, it, um, this might help you understand perspective. If you take the Washington Monument in D.C., if you went and stood right up close to it, so close that your nose touched it and opened your eyes, you would not know what you were looking at. All you would see is rock because you're too close to it. This is how our circumstances can be. You're so close to the circumstances in your life, they don't have any meaning. What does this mean? It, and, and a lot of times it just hurts. But as we allow time to go by and step away, we get a fuller picture of, of what we're looking at. Oh, now I'm not looking just at rock. I can see there's edges to this, something that I'm looking at. As more time goes by, we see, oh, it has a top. And as you get far enough away, you realize it's, it, it's something meaningful. It's a monument. When we look at existence from God's eternal vantage point, time shrinks to this insignificant moment between two eternities. And we look back and we realize there was a forever before time. There's a will be a forever after time. Okay, here's another verse about time and eternity. I love this one. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We can't fathom what he's done from beginning to end, can we? But we can learn two things from this verse. One is that God can make things beautiful with enough time, and he does, doesn't he? God can take the same time that ages and wrecks and disillusions us, and he can use it to redeem, to recreate beauty in our lives. He can heal us physically, emotionally. He can restore relationships. He can turn terrible circumstances into beautiful things with time. And look at the second part of that verse. Because we're made in God's image, we have eternity inside us. We have a sense that time is not right, and we have a longing for eternity, and that's why pop singers sing about it. Well, luckily, we don't need to continue trying to figure this out. God has revealed to us the bridge between time and eternity. And of course, we know that bridge is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God actually invites us into eternity through Jesus Christ. God has invited us into eternity through Jesus Christ. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But God saw the gap between eternity and us in time, and he bridged it for us. So here's my question for us. 
Have you felt at times trapped in time? And like God is slow to fulfill his promise to you. I have. I'm not patient. I don't want to wait for God's timing. Alternately, are you looking for ways that God has redeemed what seemed like hopeless circumstances through the passage of time? We're all still in the midst of those circumstances. We're still looking for that. I encourage you to keep looking for the way that God is making something beautiful out of your circumstances. So we've seen now how God relates to time. Let's move on and look at how God relates in time. So God is transcendent, and yet he's imminent. Transcendent means beyond or above the range of normal or merely physical human experience. Imminent means permanently pervading and sustaining the universe. Now, wait a minute, that seems like a paradox, doesn't it? Well, to humans, it it does. How can God be beyond us, beyond time, beyond our universe, but at the same time, intricately involved with us and in our lives? Well, there's a truth I want to share with you today that has helped me to rest in these kind of parts of God that seem like a paradox that I can't understand. And here's, here it is, and it's so simple. It's that he is God and we are not. Isn't it simple, but it's so freeing? He is God. We are not. Remember when... Marianne used this great illustration of a telescope, and it has just stuck with me. Now, a telescope is a tool that you use to look at something that's far away in order to perceive it. But it only works if you have it pointed the right way. So with a telescope, you want the large end of the telescope on whatever it is you're trying to understand, and the small end down here. If you flip it around, it doesn't work. You can't understand what you're looking at. So if we want to understand God, think of a telescope. You want to keep God big because he is and keep yourself small because we are. We're not insignificant. We're just smaller than he is. And he made our brains. So how could he ever fit inside of them? It's impossible. So remember the telescope when things about God seem hard to understand. It's again like the National Monument. If you're standing right up close to it, it's rock. If you're standing back from, okay, it's still a human perspective, but I can see it better. Well, look at it from God's perspective. I mean, his perspective is probably even greater than that, but an aerial perspective Now you can really see it. Imagine what God can see and know from his perspective. It's so much greater than ours. And he doesn't expect us to fully understand him. He's only revealed parts of himself to us. So here's a passage. I think we've seen this a few times this year. 
But it, it's David expressing this paradox about God in Psalm 8. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. How can God be so big and so close? Have you seen how God is close in your life? I've noticed that he'll use community in my life to show me this. Have you ever been the answer to someone's prayer? Or have you ever... Let me give you an example. I remember sitting um, a few years ago at a just, I was in the middle of a conflict, relational conflict, and it was really um, climaxing. And I was sitting alone and I got a text from a friend and we don't, usually, we don't talk very much. And she said, I, God just told me to pray for you. And I, it blew me away. There's no way she could have known my circumstance. That's God in his imminence showing himself through the body of Christ. And it's happened the other way. I've been encouraged since then to listen to God so that I can be that person in other people's lives, so I can be quiet before him, so someone can come to mind, and so I can tell them, I'm, I'm praying for you. And I've seen it work in powerful ways in people's lives because it shows you that God is close. He sees us, he knows us, and he's intricately involved with what's happening in our lives. So sometimes he uses community to show his eminence, but I've noticed he uses circumstances too. I mentioned that we moved into a new house this year, and it's one of those crazy stories where we were not looking to move. We had rented the same house for five years and liked it and loved our neighborhood. And um, But one weekend, Darren and I were at a work conference and got an email that our landlord needed us to move out this summer. And <clears throat> I remember we just looked at each other and, and we just made a choice in that moment that we had to, to trust God because the market was crazy, rents were crazy, there was no way we could get another house for what we were paying for rent, so we realized we needed to buy a house, and, and it was, I mean, you all experienced the crazy market we were in and low inventory and houses, but within 30 days, God had moved us from our rental closer to our kids' schools in a house that we love, that we weren't even looking for. God shows himself to us in that way when he's in the midst of our circumstances, taking care of us all along the way. He's showing us his imminence. Now, the reason God does this, the reason he shows himself to us is that he's pursuing us. The amazing thing about him is that in all his transcendent grandeur, God pursues people. 
in all his transcendent grandeur, God pursues people. Now, of course, the ultimate way that God pursues people is through Jesus Christ. Jesus remained eternal and transcendent, yet he stepped into space and time and matter, and he became one of us. And he felt all the effects of time that we feel. And he was tempted and hungry in the desert. And he suffered the worst death possible in order to die in our place and forgive us of the sin that was separating us from God that we couldn't do anything about. We couldn't be good enough. So the greatest work of God's eminence is Jesus. He turned our time trap into an invitation into eternity with God. So what about you? Individually, have you recognized what God has done for you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? And have you accepted his free gift of salvation from sin? If not, you can do that right now. You can do it when you go home later. You can step into an eternal relationship with him at any moment. If you already have that relationship with God through Jesus, praise God. And are you living a surrendered life to his imminence? Are you looking for the ways that he's showing you how close he is in your life? You know, you might have heard this phrase before. My husband thought I made it up when I practiced this on him, but um, God comes to you disguised as your life. God comes to you disguised as your life. He really does. If you're stuck or waiting, suffering, God is pursuing you and he's offering you eternity. There's nothing in your life that God can't use to show himself to you. Not a plant, not a person, not a moment in time, not a pop song, not a science fiction book. Life is basically made up of moments that God can use to teach us about himself if we let him. It's the way that he uses and redeems time. Let's pray. God, we are so in awe of who you are, and we know that we only know a tiny part. We only know what you've revealed to us, and even that little part blows us away. The fact that you can be so big as creator God and yet so close, sustaining this universe and 
working good into our lives, redeeming circumstances, using time to create beauty in our lives. God, I pray that no one listening would leave without accepting this gift that you've given. The only bridge between time and eternity with you is Jesus. It's a free, free gift that you gave out of love for us. And I pray that every heart would respond and that every person who has responded would know you at a new depth and would experience you more in every moment of day-to-day life. We love you, Father. Thank you so much for Jesus and for your presence in our lives. Amen.